0: Welcome to Five Strike Weekly, everyone. AJ is back, and we are gonna get his take on everything that's gone down since he's been gone. Plus, it's our first home match week of 2019, and we look to rectify that 3-1 defeat away to Herediano. All that and more, coming up.
1: Welcome to the show of Five Strike Fam. I'm AJ, this is Tanner McLeod. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. Guys, it is absolutely wonderful to be back i had a wonderful time in spain and oh, the shocker boys, wonderful time in spain wonderful time in spain and uh yeah the boys held it down you will see what happened in spain on this channel i have vlogged the entire thing uh to probably everybody else who was on the trips dismay but uh it definitely happened but uh you know you guys did a just outstanding job who didn't do an outstanding job was the team itself. Yeah. Atlanta United, uh, they just laid an egg a little bit, it was bad. not an actual egg because they did get that away goal. So there is that positive.
0: How, how much are you actually able to like watch of it when it happened live? Cause it was it really, happens,
1: really late. Nothing, they blacked it out.
0: Oh yeah! Wow, that's because that's of fun region.
1: Stuff. Yeah, oh. so that was fun. So I watched the replay. Oh, that had uh, to be a whole lot of fun. Going
0: back watching it, knowing what happened. Yeah, no,
1: I was awake during all of the match, though. Like, essentially, uh, you know, I woke up in a haste. Maybe I knew something was wrong, but uh, and then yeah. I, I started seeing all the updates because Twitter works worldwide. I was I was, I was pretty
0: part. active on Twitter that, uh, that yeah. evening. It was not it was not an enjoyable. Um, it was not an enjoyable experience. Devin and I, as you guys have probably already seen, did a match review, and we dug into a lot of it. But unfortunately, of course, you were gone, so we yes. could not get your, let's say, feelings about what happened. So, you know, first thought, kind of, formation. We kind of talked a lot about that, yeah. and that's weird. I feel like that's kind of a good starting point, yes. because me and Dev got 10 out of 11
1: starters, Bello being the one we
0: didn't, and uh, everything went to crap pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, I mean, it- I think, yeah, Bello, for me, uh, I think when you see it in the uh, the Instagram post, I thought Shea was going to, going to start because, you know, he's got a little bit more experience in bigger competitions. Uh, this was maybe too big of a moment for a Bello, who is, yes, very talented, but when you throw him into the fire like this uh, against a kind of just well-oiled machine, I think Herediano was playing a 4-4-2 type of shape where they knew how to take advantage uh, and they clearly did their homework on us because they attacked bellow side definitely they attacked through the middle uh so our formation <laughs> three four three is just was an actual shape there <laughs> i i don't know if there actually was because yeah when you have robinson in the middle as that sweeper not doing sweeper things and you have parkhurst having to rely on pace or having to uh you know hope that robinson's covering him (laughs) which he never actually was yes uh and you know lgp a little bit of a brain fart as Devin lowell loves to say and it it happened to show up uh and i think this happens very early on in seasons as well i think we have seen uh at houston last year and you know in 2017 it happens he usually susses it all out but uh, and then I think just too defensive in midfield Lorenowitz and Rometty uh, just pretty much playing each other's roles uh, like to a, de- to a degree where Nagby's role uh, is being played by Rometty uh, and not having Nagby himself uh, you know that whole debacle that's just weird uh, Lorenowitz uh, having to, you know, kind of do remedy things and kind of... Uh, press the ball and kind of vacate the middle where he is the best at just sitting in that
0: space. And covering, you know, (laughs) the space that was there for that second goal where there was just like, so maddening. there was just, if you've seen the still shot of it, Robinson is outside of and further ahead than LGP, who is also closing the ball down. Parkhurst is over on the right, having no idea what's happening. There is acres of space in the middle where the midfielder and whoever's there is just like, oh, I'm not running that. I'm just going to
1: stroll right through. And then, and...
0: you know, Lorenowitz is not there because he's trying to do something he's not accustomed to. And right. then God knows where Bello and um, Gressel were with the wing backs because the ball's on our own half and there's no one there. I think, honestly, this can just be attributed to players being put in positions they're not used to. And you could just sense just a lack of. Like dynamism or energy that usually yep. you see from us when we go out and play teams, it was missing from the get-go.
1: Yeah, indeed, and the, that lack of urgency I think led to just being bamboozled very early on. And when uh, I mean, I, I think you kind of have to put a little bit of that blame or a lot of blame on Franck De Boer and how he set it up in terms of formation and how he got the boys ready for the match. I mean. Uh, I think we, we saw this in, in preseason a little bit where, yes, we, you know, really beat up on teams that maybe weren't ready. But once we started playing teams that were a little bit in more form, it started to look to where, yeah, I mean, it didn't look fantastic against LAFC where they just waltz right in, which is essentially what happened here. Uh, they just kind of were able to walk right through our right side, essentially, uh, when, yeah, uh, I think it was Vela, I think, that uh, yeah. walked right through us. Uh, I mean, that's, that. it, that's, you know, that's indicative. And it looked kind of like the first that. goal, in a yeah. sense. It yeah. was
0: just like, what is happening right now?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then when you have, you know, uh, it's, I, I think it's that, uh, what we have to put as the caveat is that, yes, this is the first match, uh, Frank de Boer, and the the whole new kind of system that he's kind of brought in a little bit, uh, yeah, because we weren't playing a 3-4-3. we weren't playing with Miles Robinson as a sweeper. Uh, Parkers is not a right center back, but he is being played there. Uh, yeah, it's it's essentially a new system, and Bello even as well. I mean, there is just a lot of growing pains. I feel like we'll have to kind of go through. Unfortunately, it is our first match of the season that we have to go through this growing pain. Uh, hopefully we can rectify that but that one caveat with uh, the Gressel goal with the PT uh, yeah just a brilliant ball uh, to Gressel to be able to allow Gressel to cut in cut in on his left really really nice move Uh, but yes it is a deflected uh, goal but a goal nonetheless for Gressel I think uh that that's huge massive massive goal because it allows us to stay within this series but uh I I'm still worried about it I mean it's gonna gonna be a very very tough Uh, second leg because Herediano are going to sit. That's for sure.
0: So for me, I guess, you know, I think we're going to dig a little bit more into Frank DeBoer here in a bit with some of his Mm -hmm. post-match quotes and everything. But for me, you know, kind of listening to you there, do you think, and there's a fine line between the two, Mm -hmm. was Frank DeBoer overconfident or arrogant going into this game? Because for me, when you look at, say, the the, the loss last season Mm -hmm. to uh, Houston, there were actually some signs in there. Yeah, we kind of got, you know. Yeah, some square peg round holes. Some square holes. peg round holes, but mm-hmm. Miguel Almiron missed the penalty. Mm-hmm. We had some chances that were a lot better than what we had. Yeah. Um, there were some kind of force changes that we were still playing, obviously, within a system we kind of understood, but right. there was some more from that where it was like, yeah, it's frustrating, but I see what we were trying to do. There's mm-hmm. some better positives to really hang on to from that game last right. year, even though scoreline, it was worse. Mm-hmm. This one it's kind of hard to pull positives in a lot of ways out of it because Mm. we were bad everywhere. And outside of a few Petey Martinez runs, there wasn't much. So was he arrogant, overconfident? Yeah,
1: I I wouldn't say this much, but I mean, if you want to kind of compare the two situations, I mean, last season in 2018, our preseason did not look all that good. We went against some very poor opposition, uh, and I think it showed in that Houston Dynamo match and, I mean, a lot of people kind of say, I think Tata Martino is a stubborn guy as well, so it's not really that new uh, for Tata Martino, but also for Frank De Boer. They are kind of similar in that respect. They will be stubborn. I think Tata Martino has learned and learned throughout uh, the 2018 season that, yes, I have to change things. Otherwise, uh, if I don't make MLS work, then there will be huge ramifications. I won't be able to get... Uh, the next job if I do want to get another one. And so, I think Frank de Boer, it may come to that as well. Where you might have to do that. It
0: was just like, in that Houston game though, yeah, there were some square pegs and round holes, but like, Chris McCann in midfield made no sense. But I feel like with this one, it was, you are playing players in positions they don't play. Like, yeah, even more square peg round hole. Like, you sure. know Parkhurst cannot play that position. Well, you know yeah. Robinson has never played this, and you know he has to stay tactically disciplined, which he hasn't shown mm. the ability to do before. George Bello is 17. Yes. I mean, you are playing no legs in the middle of the field, and you're yeah. asking two players who don't do a job in bringing the ball forward and connecting mm-hmm. the midfield, Not both of them are sitting players. Neither one of them has ever been asked to do that So you're not it's not like you're asking a couple players in here and it just happens and it breaks apart You were asking numerous players Mm -hmm. to play in roles and positions and to do things they do not
1: do sure and yeah It's you know talking about a miles robinson as a sweeper the job of a sweeper normally is to sit in that spot not to go beyond Uh, the two center backs that are uh, on either side of him and so that's a a worrying part when you have a you know a guy that who's great at reading the game great at shepherding his players into the right spots in Parkhurst and then you know so having to rely on his pace when Miles Robinson could probably do that job on the right and he has proven that but yes he looked good in preseason for that one match uh, where he played it simple and whatnot but it is a different match when you have a team that is just—they are well-drilled. They are in season form, even if they're in poor form. They—they uh, they obviously knew what to do against us. Uh, and then also when you have Robinson and LGP and Bello. I mean, LGP is known to want to uh, to just uh, you know go forward at a whim. But he can do that because he
0: knows Parkhurst is sitting behind him, which is like someone's gonna cover. You you know what you that's the thing for me when I look back on this match It just, you know, I touched on it some but having let it, you know, simmer for a few days just frustrates the hell out of me is that Again, last year was our second season and you can kind of understand some of those mistakes in this game. Mm. Frank Boer has two years of footage in an MLS Cup winning side where he sees exactly these are what these players are good at. This is what they can do and also has footage of this is what they can't do. Sure. So why would you change something and move players into positions where you've played a back three with Robinson on the right, Parker's in the middle, LGP on the left. It works. Why change it?
1: Yeah, but also that it's uh, Loretta Witt's being told to press the ball. He's not fast, he doesn't have pace. Exactly, so going against uh, what he's good at, which is to sit in that hole. And then, so we basically had the entire middle, like we were saying on the second goal, They were able to waltz right in when normally, if you have the guys that just sit, Parkhurst, you have Parkhurst and Lorenowitz both there. There's there's a
0: double door. They can't get through it. And my thing again is, Parkhurst hasn't really played in that position, but Lorenowitz has, and Lorenowitz is probably quicker than Parkhurst. So why would you play someone even slower in a position where, historically speaking, you have gotten torn apart when you play too far open? Like that's the thing for me that like just frustrates the hell out of me is that Frank DeBoer should have known better. I get that it's the first game. I get that it's away. I get that it's a crap pitch. I get that it's a crap referee. You have all of these things, but it's like, you know what these players can do. Why are you trying to make them do something and putting them in position just for the hell of it? Like just for the hell of it. You have a captain, like you said, perfect in the middle. You have Robinson, athletic, quick, maybe not the best positionally, but he's able to close players down Mm -hmm. and play in that space and be fine, especially when he has someone like Parkhurst Mm -hmm. telling him where to go. LGP is a crazy man, we love him for it, but he's able to be a crazy man and a lot of the stuff he did in that game, he does all the time. But he gets away with it because Parkhurst is there on, behind him, and he has Lorinowitz to his right. Yep. And he also has Remetti running around, closing any space around him. Right. But both of them are preoccupied trying to press the ball.
1: Yeah, and then, yeah, uh, they were probably trapping that ball over there. But then, the, the I mean, you know, talking about the first goal, Bello uh, with a just was. kind of poor control and LGP with a just blind uh, header back to Guzan. I mean... There might be some people you know, trying to fault Guzan here, but I think he was just There's, in a rock and hard yeah. I
0: mean, he was, he, he was right. absolutely sold to see there by exactly. LGP. I don't know what he was trying do to do, that. but it, that, that is an opening game goal yep. that I can understand. Huh? And allow, I, I can allow when you have these misunderstandings that happen in the first right. game. My biggest issue is that, again, putting players in roles that they're not gonna succeed mm-hmm. in, expecting them to do well in the first game, away from home, in a game where it's not like MLS, it's not three points, mm-hmm. one point. The th- goals, all of them matter. Yeah. And now you've dug yourself into a hole where you're gonna have to get out of it. You're not playing at your home home stadium, where yeah. I think everyone would feel a whole hell of a lot the more. We have yeah, like, sure. if, if this was going to the bins, now uh-huh. I have no doubt that Kennesaw will be good, and we'll get into that in the match sure. review later. Mm-hmm. If this was going to the bins, I would have full just full faith that we would win this game. i
1: will be a, a whole lot more bullish but, for sure.
0: But, but now yeah. I'm just like, it, I don't know if he's gonna change or not, and it's mm-hmm. just like. I don't understand what he was trying to do. And I guess that's the biggest sticking point for me is that with Tata and Houston, I kind of got it. It just didn't work. It was, it happened. I understood what was going, like what was happening. And I understood we were going to move forward from Mm -hmm. that. With this one, it's just the first game. I don't want to overreact on it, but I don't understand a lot of the decisions he made. In playing the way that we did for playing a defensive system, we got yeah. housed.
1: Especially when Parkhurst is saying, touring uh, and after training sessions, that yes, we were practicing a lot of defensive schemes and shapes and whatnot, and then our third goal was a set piece that we allowed a goal on. Um, You
0: practice against Joseph Martinez and PT Martinez. No one's gonna have better players than that the entire season we play against them. How are you getting picked apart by these guys if this is what you're going against in training?
1: It it, it is kind of true, but uh, I think we still, you know, we need to kind of, Really be patient because, yes, that's really what Frank De Boer has not been afforded at the two other places recently that he's been at. And so, uh, I mean, theoretically, this should be a uh, a situation that should be more catered to him. And so let's give him that time. Uh, but, I mean, I think that's what it is. We're, we're still going to be critical when it's a bad performance. But I think it's, uh, yeah, we'll leave it as is for what it is because, well, I mean, Frank Boer is positive about what's uh, uh, coming ahead for uh, Thursday, but uh, yeah, he, he mentioned essentially that, yeah, this is our first game and we have to improve. We're going to try to improve every day, so this is just the first step and are going to make a lot of steps forward. I'm confident in that. And hopefully by next Thursday, we have time to get our revenge and show everyone that we've learned from this experience and are better for it. He went on to say, quote, 3-1 is a good result for Herediano, but I have confidence also that we can score two goals at home. It's more difficult now, but we know we can play back at our stadium. And if we play well, we can still move on to the next round.
0: Uh, First off, not our stadium because of monster trucks, but we won't dive into that because I've already ranted about that a few months back. But, uh, I mean, yeah, so we do have the away goal. Yes. He touches on improving and learning. That also includes putting players in their right positions and not being stubborn and looking at something that doesn't work.
1: But we, we don't know if he's, uh, you know, uh, going to be stubborn or going to learn he's from the He's Dutch. He's so. going to be stubborn. From <laughs> so previous
0: experience with Dutch managers, i.e. his mentor.
1: Indeed. But, uh, so, you know, uh, I think, though, Frank de Boer, uh, you know, by all accounts so far, Has a positive mindset in that regard, and he wasn't making excuses. That's fair. That's good. That's good. And again, I don't want to seem overly
0: critical. I'm just really frustrated because. It was just so stupid, and again, maybe I'm just getting caught up in the fact that it was just so concacaf that I couldn't yeah. understand the concacafing that was concacaf.
1: And <laughs> it was more concacafy than uh, than normal concacaf. Yeah, yeah, I, I maybe, thought but. I had
0: prepared myself for the concacafing that was going to happen. Sure, but like the American Red Cross disaster relief running on twice to pick someone up, guys falling down to the floor when no one yeah. touched them at all, guys having cramps that suddenly disappear as soon as the whistle's blown. Right. Yeah, a referee who apparently ref a World Cup final, but doesn't know what a foul is and what's not. I mean, LGP just absolutely shoulder-barged a guy and got nothing for it. I mean, I, I don't know what else you have to look at. It yeah. was just so CONCACAF that I think maybe on the whole, the stupidity of it is just what frustrated yeah. them.
1: And, and it's also this. Herediano are good at home, and they know how to play on that pitch, which is like a, pretty much like 1960s Astrodome curve. On curve Yeah, and so the pitch wasn't really conducive to the way LA United play, but I think also and United should have been ready for that a little bit more but it's hard to find a pitch like that, maybe, unless it's like Silverback Stadium, I guess, maybe, to practice. Well, I guess practice. if they you but... know, ever
0: draw a team like that again, just, well, they probably won't let them
1: practice there, No, they but, won't. You know. There's contention Yeah, there's there. contention there. So, anyway, but... let's move on to something a little bit more you know positive. What?
0: less, because I don't wanna dwell on that anymore. <laughs> yeah,
1: but uh, Miguel Miron made his starting debut for Newcastle United, and what a debut he had First off, with the Tifo that the Toon army gave him, the Quiero cantar contigo, uh, and that's Almiron Kiro cantar contigo, uh, and then with We Are United as the, uh, the actual Tifo part, I mean, that was a very nice touch, and I think he probably saw that, he was already up for the game probably already, he was killing the opposition. <sighs> if that chip <laughs> had gone in, I yes. would have lost my mind. Yeah, he had he had a, a oh. counterattack of dreams. He
0: basically something all of us have seen many times, yes. even up to the chipping part. I mean, yeah. he's chipped people before.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, exactly. And so you know, it, it just it, an unlucky oh. series of events hit the post twice. I think uh, hit the post four times. Four castle As a yeah, sure. in that game. Yeah. Oh, they had I think twenty nine shots that match. I mean, yes, Huddersfield just they're awful. dreadful. They're awful. going to but finish last. They will. And be it was relegated. against ten men, but. Um,
0: but to be fair, he yeah. drew the red card, and if yeah. you see stills on it, the fact that he's not injured for the rest of the season is incredible. So, yeah, yeah that was a terrible tackle. But, I mean, yeah. he was incredible. He mm-hmm. was exactly what they were crying out for. Exactly. And I think right now they're looking at it going, yeah, we made a good deal. Probably could have been a bit more money because, I mean, six clear chances he created that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, 82% passes, yeah. five crosses. He completed both of his dribbles. I mean, he was even recovering. He had three recoveries. Yeah. Do what is this dirty you want work. From the guy He and, is exactly what he does. Right.
1: And you know making a Jose Perez uh look, look, look kind of decent good.
0: <laughs> which is very hard to do.
1: Yeah, he he missed some sitters it is what it is uh but he he did end up getting the uh, the second goal for them. Uh, and also maybe that little uh kind of Paraguayan-Venezuelan connection building up there as well with Salman Rondon. That guy's a uh, unit for what it's worth. Yeah, He's he is, he He's a big lad. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, a very talented guy, I think, as well. And, you know, kind of uh, hopefully more goals for him with Miguel Miron feeding that ball to him. But uh, I think, you know, all this as well, he came off to a standing ovation in the 81st minute. So, fantastic first start for given man of
0: the match by the Chronicle which is the newspaper there in in Newcastle that covers them very closely so not a bad full debut for former five stripe Miguel Almiron.
1: Exactly and I think it's a good thing for Atlanta United as well and why we're talking about this is because it represents the five stripes very well because you know a player coming from Atlanta from MLS doing well in (laughs) <laughs> the hardest in, league the, in the world Yeah, in the hardest thing in the world and looking like probably the best player he was the best player on the pitch it's he, the, very the speed
0: good. of the game was again, it wasn't a worry there wasn't a work i mean he was he's one of the quickest players in the league he yeah. looked at home there i'm curious to see how he'll perform in some of those bigger tougher games against some top six opposition yeah. but i think with him and having seen that not to base too much off one game but with the squad they have the manager they have I think the Newcastle are gonna be all right, and I think that Miguel Almiron will basically kind of be that spark that helps them be solidly safe in the Mm -hmm. Premier League moving forward.
1: Yeah, it was a great three points for them. And then you have uh, the Burnley match, which is gonna be a very, very difficult match. And that's really I think one of those barometers because Burnley are doing well this year. Yes. So
0: they beat Tottenham, so that made me feel good.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so let's move on into a sort of rumor, not really kind of quashing the, the rumors now, uh, with Darlington Nagby and essentially his situation. Which, I mean, yeah, uh, he pretty much is saying that yes, uh, you know, the problems and issues that I had in preseason, they're gone. It's not a big deal anymore. I want to stay in Atlanta. That's a good thing.
0: It's a good thing, especially after watching, you know, a complete lack of being able to control the ball forward in midfield against Heredion. Yeah, he Very came clear, on it and was, it was better. He needs better. to play in yeah. midfield for Atlanta United if we want yeah. to be successful. We looked season.
1: disjointed. There wasn't a connection between the defense and the attack. And once Hackney came on, it looked a lot better. Now, if I think he has a run of form where he actually plays. I think it will look even, even better. And so... Uh, He's got that that forward-thinking brain
0: for a midfielder where it's not a slight on Hermetti or Lorenowitz. They're very good in that defensive role, being able to close down the spaces, sweep things up but Nagby wants to get forward. Okay. His brain is thinking, how can I get this to these players, like a PC right. Martinez, a Joseph Martinez, mm-hmm. a Zaki Obarco, whoever it is. He's that link between mm-hmm. midfield and attack. Right. And I think you can definitely tell when he's missing, at least in how this team set up right. in that first leg. So mm-hmm. hopefully, hopefully, and we'll dig into this later, he might be starting for us come Thursday.
1: Hopefully. But uh, yeah, he mentioned that his personal issues that he had previously uh, encountered at a Portland Timbers, is uh, also was maybe a reason why it uh, occurred in Atlanta, why he had to show up to preseason one day late. All that. Uh, I mean, I don't want to speculate too hard, but I think there is some constants. And I think maybe it's a kind of uh, situation with family, maybe. Exactly. I mean, I
0: think at the end of the day, for us, we should respect his privacy. And again, he's very happy here. He loves it here. I Mm. hope he stays here past his current contract. I hope we get him signed up again because he's a very good player. And I think he is a key player for the five strikes moving forward.
1: Right, indeed. And so uh, next bit of news is that former goalkeeper for LA United, who was released in the offseason, Mitch Hildebrand, has retired. Uh, yeah, he didn't really get any first team starts. He, I think, got eight starts for LA United two, and yeah, he's pretty much uh, called it a career. Hung he, up the gloves and the boots. All right, got a got a chip on the way out, so not too bad. Got a chip with FC Cincinnati as well in USL, so I not mean, a bad last two seasons. Exactly. All
0: the best to him moving forward into his future career, whatever indeed, that may be. Indeed, indeed.
1: But let's get to the mailbag questions. You guys send in these questions through IG story. Please continue to do so, and we might answer your question in the future. First question comes from the real Ryan. Would it be a blessing in disguise if we got bounced from the CCL?
0: No. My point I think for me, I want to win this damn thing, and that first match might have been terrible. But as frustrated as I have clearly been, you have to believe that this team can turn this around. You have to believe that the talent is there, both from the staff and from the players, that the team that just won MLS Cup pretty convincingly can turn it around and beat a team that's currently languishing near the bottom of the Costa Rican table and get things to that next round mm-hmm. where we know we'll be playing at the bins for at least one of those games. And I think if we can get there, we can keep moving on because that is the goal because no MLS team has won that. And if we want to beat that team, we have to win the CONCACAF Champions League. Mm-hmm. So I want to win that thing. I want to beat Herediano this week. We'll see if it can happen.
1: Right, and especially, yeah, I mean if, uh, it, it's like a, it's just not a good optics look if we get bounced this early. like this To was, on
0: in the fashion yeah. that it would happen. It would, yeah. it would be really embarrassing. Yeah,
1: it's not something that we want. So, next question comes from Omar1386. What's next if we were to lose this week? What would be the next trophy to shoot for? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I, I think it's definitely, we wanna stay in this competition, one. And then, if it were this nightmare scenario, then you go for, yeah, you go for MLS Cup. It's, it turns just turns into what it was, was last season. Yep. Although
0: you might think about putting a little bit more emphasis on the US Open Cup, just to get something if you could. Sure. Um, but I don't wanna think about being out of this competition. Mm-hmm. Um, it would really, really frustrate me if we were to fall out to this side. Not that's no disrespect to Herediano. They're a quality mm-hmm. team, but mm-hmm. they're not playing well in their domestic league right now. Mm-hmm. And the talent that Atlanta United has far outweighs the talent that Herediano has. And there is no reason that this team should be losing to this, you know, this opposition at this round of the competition.
1: Right. It's, uh, it's you know, it's a classic thing of one side's more organized than the other. And yeah, it's... we're. We're just running into that problem because we're uh, not in form at all. It's our first game. It's a lot of things. Not um, ideal. Yeah. Next question comes from It's Justin Johnson. Why has Asiedu yet to sign with the club, and can he be signed after the March 1st deadline? I'm going to actually throw this one to you. Cause okay, kind sure.
0: of a, I, I kind of understand it, but I think you have a little bit of a better grasp okay. on things than I do.
1: Sure, yeah. And so Asiedu uh, and Amir Bashi and uh, Dylan Casanera, the the goalkeeper uh, that we all drafted, they pretty much are kind of mostly on trial still. And so, and, you know, we'll wonder if uh, they're maybe being kind of uh, more groomed for LA United too. So if there is that worry, um, you know, we Pretty much, we have the draft rights to these guys anyway, and so we can sign them pretty much at any point. They're almost essentially free agents to that degree. But um, they can't
0: sign with any other MLS club.
1: Right, exactly. And so it's really not a worry about when they're going to sign unless we really need them for uh, some certain matches coming up. But, uh, I mean, I think we've seen that they've been part of the first team. It's, I think it's just a matter of getting the you know T's and I's just, uh, crossed and dotted. So, um, you know, it's, a. Uh, don't think they're quite ready at that level anyway to be starting. Uh, so they're more of that death level. So I think they're probably trying to see more of these guys and, uh, trying to make that decision. So, uh, next question comes from Aiden Mogan guard. Thank you for that. Uh, And apologies if I've messed that uh, name up. But uh, should Atlanta United be looking for a legit replacement for Brad Guzan now?
0: I think he's still fine for MLS. He's never going to be that perfect keeper that can play out of the back. But you're never going to really get one in MLS where MLS is at this point in time. Because if they're really good at that, they're not going to be here. Yeah. He definitely has some moments that frustrate me, but again, you're going to get that at this level. And in terms of where he's at, he's at the top table in terms of MLS goalkeepers. He's still a great shot saver. He's a strong presence at the back. And I don't know if you're going to find anyone that's going to be better than him for what you have him at. I mean, he, he is, you know, not beat a dead horse. He's still one of the best goalkeepers in MLS. He's still a U.S. men's international you're not gonna get much better. He is getting a little bit older, but I still think you have a few more seasons with him, and then, you know, it's not a bad idea to be looking for someone to possibly groom to take over for him, but as of right now, Brad Guzan is the least of your worries in terms of being a replacement.
1: Yeah, I think uh, if you are thinking he was at fault for any of the goals against Rodiano, I mean, it's it's the defense's fault, really. It's, I mean, you can't really chalk it to anything that really Brad Guzan did. He did as well as he could on the first.
0: The second, yeah. no
1: chance. The third, yeah.
0: not his fault either. I yeah. mean, beating on a, a set piece at the back post is not the keeper's fault. Exactly. Like, that's yeah, not gonna,
1: no. Mm-hmm. No. So, uh, last question comes from YouTube on Sh- with Sean McGarity. Sup guys, just wanted to get your thoughts on something to do with celebrations. So we've seen the fusion celebration between Joseph and Almirone, which I'm a huge fan of, grew up watching DBZ myself. With Almiron now being at Newcastle United, what would your feelings be if Almiron started to do the fusion celebration with one of our players, like Rondon or Perez, if they had created such a partnership like he had with Joseph?
0: Uh, should you tell him it's not going to happen, or should I? Yeah,
1: no, it's it's going to be very weird if that happens. But no, no, not fam. Sorry. Hey, just,
0: uh, it's not. It's not that we're being mean, but like again, him and a, Joseph are like brothers. Yeah, yeah. Like. And, and maybe him and Rondan get on well, but I don't see him having that that relationship that him and Joseph Martinez had. That was something special, both on and off the field. They were as close as they got, which is why for them the fusion made sense. And I don't want to dig too far into Dragon Ball Z, but I mean, that was kind of the whole point of the fusion in that show as well, is you know, Trunks and Goten, really, really, really close friends. Mm-hmm. That's why it all worked, so yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, and no, I mean, they might come up with their own celebration, and that'll be be good for them. I hope they do. I hope they have something
0: unique that represents what they have. Right. But Fusion, that's a Joseph and a Miggy thing, and a Joseph and a Miggy thing only. Yeah.
1: And I think Miggy started it too, so I don't think uh, Miggy's gonna kind of, you know, stab him in the front like that and and do that. Yeah, that'd that'd be kind of rude. Yeah. But uh, that... That uh, pretty much sums up our mailbag. And so let's move on to the match preview. And that's the second leg against Herediano on Thursday, February the 28th. And it's going to be at 5th Third Bank Stadium in Kennesaw, which can maybe (laughs) hold 10,000. Because we're gonna pack it out. Uh, usually holds about seven or eight. Um, and whatever the record standing. is for that stadium, we're probably
0: gonna break it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Uh, yeah, you can stream it, you know, on Yahoo, and maybe be it? we'll is see.
0: It what it is it supposed kind of maybe be on? Yahoo? I, don't I don't know. I know it'll be on Yahoo. It's
1: always yeah. It's definitely gonna be on Yahoo, but um, and maybe Univision again for the uh, the Spanish speaking crowd. But uh, let's you know, let, let's just make sure first that you know who's. Who's going to be in, uh, you know, in terms of not injured for this match? I mean, we we have, I think, you know, a Franco Escobar that might is still... Yeah, we, we don't know. I think he's getting pretty much uh, kind of healthier around this time frame that... I think uh, it was maybe five to seven weeks, I think, was his time frame when he got injured. To
0: be fair, Barco was supposed to be out a while as well, and he's
1: fine. Right, exactly. But it was a different injury. That was a muscular versus a broken bone, I think. So, yeah. So, uh, he he might be ready, and that might be good. Um, And then Kevin Kratz... Uh, There's a rumor going on, it's a kind of unsubstantiated rumor that he's had his third kid, uh, that's cool. Uh, Congrats if did. that's the case. But yeah. uh, he was unavailable for that match. Um, you know, that might have been good to bring him on for a set piece and you know try to pull back another goal. But yeah, uh, hopefully he's ready for this match and you know hopefully he can uh, be part of the 18 if that were the case. And again, I think still, Amir Bashti, Anderson Osiedu, and Dylan Castanera are still uh, on trial. So we They're not registered,
0: they're not signed, so they won't be played.
1: Exactly. Playing. But, uh... Let's... Those
0: are three you can guarantee will not be played. The other two?
1: Eh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, hopefully they can play a part because I think we will need all hands on deck to defeat uh, this very tough. Perediano team, which yeah, like we mentioned before, they just tore up our our middle. So let's get into our predicted 11 and how we would maybe shore up with uh, not only the formation, but also the tactics. What do you think? For me, I
0: really hope he changes, Um, but there's a difference between me hoping he changes and him actually changing. Um, If we do go with the back three again, I pray to whatever gods exist, that, he puts Michael Parker's back in the middle. All of the gods, just please put Michael Parker's just back in the middle. He belongs there, he needs to be there. If he's not there, LGP will be worse, and he will be worse. It's kind of one of those like exponential type things sure. where if he's not there, it's not good for anyone. So yeah. I'm hoping that he, Michael Parker's is back in the middle, whether or not he actually yeah. does that will kind of be interesting. But I also think LGP will start. But for me, the question mark would be, if he does play Parkhurst in the middle, who starts on the right side of a back three?
1: Yeah. Uh, for me, I've swapped them. I have Parkhurst in that sweeper position. I have Robinson as that right center back. Uh, I was tempted, I was tempted to uh, to keep Rometty in and... Nagby out, but I think he is so imperative here that it has to be Nagby and Lorenowitz as that double pivot. Um, or kind of, a double pivot. it's not really a double pivot here in here. It's the center midfield. I just, I just yeah. don't like
0: 3, four, three. I just yeah. I just don't like 3-4-3. Three, three. Yeah. There's just something about it that just, I don't like that it leaves you so light in the middle of the park because sure. you're playing three forwards. And that's and why you, you need someone back. like
1: Nagby to be able to connect that defense and attack, but it also leaves you a little bit susceptible in the middle as well. Which is
0: why could be a good option because he's going to cover more ground than Lorenowitz will. Yes.
1: It's tough. <sighs> it's very, very tough. Uh, I have Lorenowitz. You have Marimetti. I have Rometty. Right? So, uh, and of course, in this 3-4-3, we have wingbacks. I think it's still Gressel on the right. But for me, I have Breccia coming in. Just, it's a bigger moment. I think you need to have a little bit more of an experienced head here. And, uh, yeah, it's not... Bello's fault at any any point of this, I think it's just, it's maybe too big of a moment for him.
0: I would like to think that that will happen, but part of me just sees Frank DeBoer being stubborn and going, no, Bello, you're going to learn from this, and trotting him back out there saying, I believe in you, and putting him in a situation which kind of doubles down and might not be good because if he's poor again, it's really bad, but saying, I have faith in you to go do a job, and we also yep. need goals. So... You Know, I'd feel a lot more comfortable with Bello playing on the left if Parkhurst is in the middle of the back three because yes. I know that positionally they're going to be a little bit better. And if it's Remetti and Nagley in midfield, I know that Remetti has the ability to cover him, right? When he's when Remetti's being tasked with bringing the ball forward, that's not going to happen because he can't cover him, right? So it makes a little right. bit more sense if that's the personnel mm-hmm. you're playing, but also because. I think he wants to show that he believes in this kid and yeah. maybe pulling him out after that game might damage his confidence even more. It yeah, very well could be the and case. And
1: stubborn. Yeah, and, but also, going back over to the, the right side, Robinson, uh, you know, if he's left on an island like Parkhurst is, I think at least Robinson has the pace to be able to recover that. Uh, and that's where it was awkward for Gressel because, yeah, I mean, Gressel had to kind of make a decision. Either he was really, you know, staying back because of just the wing play that was uh, happening, or you know, he has to kind of bomb forward, and it was kind of—he was probably caught in uh, between two minds. And you know, on on his side, yes, he scored the goal, but I mean, it was difficult for him to try to uh, really make his decisions on what he had to do, and it's it's tough. It again very, very comes
0: back to me questioning what <sighs> the he was doing, putting these players in positions because. By putting these players in positions that they aren't comfortable with, It affects the whole bloody team. It does. I mean, when you can't, when when your defense is not solid, it affects a guy in Gressel who we know is a very good wing back and can do it Mm. because we've seen it happen.
1: But very good going forward.
0: But he suffers because now he's having to think about defending, which is not what his natural inclination is to do because he's having to think about the person behind him Mm. not being quick and having to defend. When he's having to do that, he's not going to be as effective going forward. So it's just this domino effect of me just looking at that lineup when you go back. And again, hindsight is 20-20 and thinking, Mm. What were we thinking? And sure. I think the one place where you don't only really have to think it's probably going to be your front three. Yeah. I still think it's going to be P.D. Martinez, Joseph Martinez, and Ezekiel Barco. Mm-hmm. Um, Ezekiel Barco frustrated the hell out of me, and I'm probably not the only one in that game, but I still think that he is going to be – he's the player that fits the mold of what Frank Gore yeah. wants more than what Tito Villalba offers, mm-hmm. I think Tito is much more of a direct player that's going to run at you and make something happen whereas Ezekiel is the kind of guy that will be able to play those short passing games if he actually passes the ball.
1: Yeah, and th- that was kind of the issue t- as well was that Barco and PT, they were pretty much having to really dribble and beat a guy versus more of kind of a combination play and kind of getting more of the uh maybe the midfield involved and whatnot it was pretty much like solo uh sweaty you know type of play where you're trying to score a goal by yourself or trying to beat the whole entire team by yourself and it's just not exactly conducive in that type of uh environment for the first game he can learn something from PT that. Martinez
0: who does yeah. the same thing but also knows okay I've beaten these guys time to get rid of the ball because right. I'm about to get clattered so indeed, indeed. maybe he can learn that yeah learn from
1: that indeed indeed and uh yeah I mean I think uh you know with that with the the, the lineup of uh, being 343 I think we have to really push the issue we have to uh, yeah, think about really controlling the ball and breaking them down on a deep block because that's really probably what's going to happen. And
0: be prepared for ultimate shithousery. Yes. Because that <laughs> is
1: guaranteed to
0: happen. Yeah. But there is kind of a silver lining to this, but honestly, it's not one that I really buy into. Yeah. And Herediano have a history of blowing leads in
1: this competition. Indeed. And uh yeah, I mean uh De Boer and Gressel were very quick to mention that after the match that yeah, they uh, Herediano beat Club America three nil in their first leg last year in CCL and then they lost six nil in the return leg. That's that bodes well. That yes bodes definitely uh, very well. Problems with that
0: though is that uh Blue America were also in full swing of their season, so that wasn't their second game. Mm -hmm. Also, the second leg was played in Mexico City in one of the toughest places to play in the world in the Estadio Azteca. Not Fifth Third Bank Stadium because you're being kicked out of your home by monster trucks. Yeah,
1: 87,000 versus 10,000
0: elevation of what exactly is Mexico City, 5,000 something versus Atlanta, Georgia, which is like not very high. Yeah. So there's multiple factors and uh, yeah, so as much as that is a nice statistic, I'm not sure if it really is relevant to Atlanta United's current predicament.
1: It might not be, but uh, let's get into our score prediction. So uh, let's hear it. Yeah, I'm gonna
0: go with Atlanta to win but not by enough. I think Atlanta will win two goals to one. I think Herediano will get one, but I think unfortunately, because it is so soon in the season, because I think Franck De Boer will be stubborn, I think we're going to be left very frustrated Thursday night and see our first trip to the CONCACAF Champions League cut unfortunately short. But it may very well prove to be a learning experience that we needed to have in order to be successful in the future. But I just don't have a good feeling about this one. I, I just don't. If it was in the bins, I'd feel better. But playing, having to play at Fifth Third Bank, it's not our home field, and as loud as we'll get, I don't know if it'll really push us over the edge like I know Mercedes-Benz Stadium would.
1: Yeah. Well, I think uh, you know we've played a U.S. Open match there uh, with the team. They they are familiar with the stadium, so there is at least that caveat. Um, so. I'm a little bit more confident that we can at least, you know, do a little bit better. Uh, I, I think we'll, we will need a Barco to break down a deep-lying team. Uh, a Tito is not perfect here, uh, because, yeah, you need space behind, so That's it's- not gonna exist. Yeah, and so, yeah, it is a Barco and PT type of game where they just have to do some magic, and I think they can. My prediction is 3-1, that means- Oh no. Yes, that no. means we get to penalties, <laughs> oh, no. probably, and so that's where it's gonna get, it's gonna be a long night, probably, oh, and no. uh, I don't want this to happen, but- <laughs> To be fair, though, think... to be fair, since our last penalty shootout defeat, we
0: have gotten a player who has made a penalty in the Copa Sudamericana yeah, final, yeah. and Ezekiel Barco. Mm-hmm. You have Joseph Martinez, who, yes. if that's the case, will well, he better damn well be on the pitch still. Yeah. And you have PT Martinez who, again, better damn well be on the pitch at that point in time. Yeah. So I feel a little bit
1: better, Definitely. but uh,
0: I really don't want to see penalties.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I really don't, but I think uh, it might come to this, it m- we might be in for a long night at 5th, 3rd, Bank Stadium, but I think we go through and i'm going to get really specific oddly and we go four three in penalties and win okay well
0: that's oddly specific but being (laughs) oddly specific guys it is now time for our question of the day and it's kind of simple there's only one thing we really have to ask and that is what do you guys think is going to happen in the second leg against seretiano on thursday hit us up in the comments below and let us know what you guys think
1: And guys, that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Tanner, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening.